it was really wonderful to see you today. I pray that God's blessing goes with you through this next week. Um, please uh, make it, again, I invite your attention to the announcements in the bulletin. And uh, I pray that uh, we can see you again next week. Remember John in your prayers. I know that he, he would appreciate that. He's, he had hernia surgery, and it's going to be about a four-week ordeal getting through recovery, the doc says. So um, please remember him. We'll pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you again for this time. Help us, Father, to put it all to work in our lives in a powerful and effective way. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, we are continuing in our lesson series that John started us some few weeks ago about Eats with Sinners. Uh, Today's lesson is going to focus, as you heard Lorna say, on humility. And so when John knew that he was going to be out for a number of weeks and he was going to need someone to preach about humility naturally, he thought of me. No. You're very kind. <laughs> now, I, th- I thought I would start today with a brief 20-minute discussion about, you know, me and my life. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, my wife laughed, too, when I told her that that was what I was thinking about doing. But she laughed a lot longer. She got those little tears in the corner of her eye, you know, when you laugh so hard. Later, she told me that she thought she'd bruised her ribs from, from <laughs> laughing so much. But uh, anyway, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we have to admit there are times, maybe, maybe frequently, that, that we are selfish and we are self-centered and we're just rude. And uh, in those times, we're, we're not very funny to be around. We're, we're really quite a nuisance. And um, what's even more of concern than that as Christians when we are prideful and rude and arrogant we become a real stumbling block to the gospel. And so we ask ourselves, what can we do to establish and sustain a consistent attitude, mindset, behavior of humility? What, what can we do? Where, where can we find humility? I think it's, it does us well if we take doses of humility wherever we can find them. I often find them in the mirror is where I find humility a lot. As I mentioned, my wife is a great source of humility. My kids, my boss... Whenever I try to program the DVR, um, there's a story um, about Muhammad Ali. Some of you are maybe too young to remember, but a lot of us remember. He was the heavyweight champion of the world in boxing. And he was not known for a lot of humility. He was very confident, and he would declare himself the greatest often. And there's a story that he was on a plane, and he was, the plane was waiting to depart, and the flight attendant was going by, you know, sir, you need to buckle your seatbelt. And then she moved on, and took care of the other passengers, and on her way back, she noticed that he had not yet buckled his seatbelt. He said, sir, you're going to have to, we're not going to leave unless you buckle your seatbelt. And Ali, like, like he was then, he said, uh, you know, I'm Superman. Superman doesn't need a seatbelt. And the flight attendant said, well, yeah, Superman also doesn't need a plane. <laughs> buckle your seatbelt. So clearly another source of Humility is a flight attendant. I think, and I, I bet we all agree, uh, that the best first person from whom to use, pardon me, the best first person from whom to learn humility is Jesus. Throughout his ministry, he taught about humility all the time. For instance, in Luke chapter 14, uh, verse 11, he was dealing with some Pharisees there who were putting, as Pharisees often did, their own interests ahead of the interests of the people that they should have been uh, ministering to. 
Uh, but he said to them, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. One of the main keys to reaching people for Jesus is humility. And the key to being humble, I contend, is to follow Jesus' example. In Philippians, Paul provides one of the greatest descriptions of Jesus' humility. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, if you want to go there. We're also going to camp out a little bit on John chapter 13. That's what Charles was singing about, the basin and the towel. Thank you, Charles. Um, so if you want to play, you know, put a place marker in those places, go ahead. But, but Paul wrote Philippians from house arrest. He was in Rome, and the Romans had put him in jail, and they put him in a house, and he started writing letters. And he wrote one to Philippi, and he was telling the Christians, you know, I love you, and, and I want you to continue to strive to become more and more like Jesus. And one of the things that he highlighted in that discussion was the need for Christians to be humble. And he, and he talks about Jesus and his example of humility. And, and this is going to be these main points from chapter 2. We're going, to take, we're going to look at how Jesus, Paul points out that Jesus was humble in his birth, he was humble in his ministry, and he was humble in his death. But let's look, uh, let's look at the text and follow along if you, if you can, please. Chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility... Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Paul there lays out for us very clearly what the attitude of humility is about, what the behavior of humility is about. We're going to look at Jesus, first of all, how he was humble in his birth. In verses 6 and 7 of what we just read, Paul says that Jesus didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped. Uh, when you com contrast that, with the attitude of the devil recorded for us uh, in other passages where the devil said, I'm going to make myself like the Most High God. Here Jesus is equal, equal with God and in heaven, and he does not consider that something to be grasped. He made himself nothing. He tells us here that Jesus gave up all of that that he had in heaven. He laid it aside to come and live here among us so that he could be born to humble parents. He could be born in humble circumstances. He could born, be born in and around humble beasts of burden and laid in a manger because there was no baby bed. The Bible says that angels did announce his birth, and that's pretty special, of course. But do you remember to whom the announcement was made? Shepherds, that's right. Now, you may not know, but in those days... Shepherds were at or very close to the very bottom rung of the social ladder. 
shepherds were always out with their sheep. They were always ceremonially unclean. They, they couldn't go to the temple and participate in the worship. They couldn't make sacrifice. They were always with their sheep. And, and the priests and the Levites wouldn't let them come because they most often wouldn't, wouldn't do what was necessary to be there. Um, they lived and worked, the, the shepherds did, a very humble life. And they were the ones that God chose to first announce the birth of the Savior. I think all of this highlights the extent to which Jesus was willing to go, and did go, to come and, and be here among us, to, to rescue us from the life that we live, this sinful, fallen uh, life on this planet. He was willing to become one of us. Notice he was deliberate uh, in those verses that we read, 6 and 7. He made himself nothing. The one who made the universe, everything from gravity and stars and galaxies all the way down to quantum atoms and protons and everything in between, the one who made all of this made himself, when he came to earth, nothing. He made himself a servant. And isn't it interesting that in a world where so many men through the ages have tried to make themselves and continue to try to make themselves God, only once did God become man. Jesus was humble in his birth. Next, Jesus was humble in his ministry. Verse 7, Paul points out that Jesus took on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. I worked at a restaurant in college when I was going through college. Um, I learned a lot of really good life truths while, while working there, while I was cooking and cleaning and waiting on people. Uh, one was, what you might expect, what, the customer is always right. Yeah, they know what they want, and who am I to say that they want cream in their sugar, coffee if they don't? Um, speaking of coffee, people who drink coffee want hot coffee. They don't want stuff that's been up there for three hours and... And uh, I find myself pretty adamant that way these days, too. And what I found is uh, one of the bigger lessons I learned uh, was that for me to be good as a server, I have to put the needs of other people first. I have to think of other people first. And as Christians, we need to be people who are willing to serve other people. We need to... Uh, recognize that the needs of other people need to come before us if we're going to effectively serve them in the name of Christ. Uh, again, the greatest example for us of how to be a servant, how to be effective and consistent in, in service to others is Jesus. Uh, and one of his clearest examples is found in John 13. If, uh, if we can go there, I'll read that for you. This is in the upper room. This is soon uh, before Jesus is about to be arrested and crucified. And it says, starting at verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and that He was returning to God. So He got up from His meal, took off His outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around His waist. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash His disciples' feet. He drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus said, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. 
And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. John records in this verse that Jesus knew that all the power had been given him. That God the Father had empowered him. He knew where he was going, that he was about to return to the, to the Father very soon. Despite the arrest, the, the, the uh, denial of the other apostles, the crucifixion, all the things that he was about to suffer, he knew that he had all power and that he was about to go back to the Father very soon. So, with all that in mind, what does he do? He gets up and he takes on the role of a servant. And he washes the feet of his disciples who are in the room there with him. And Luke tells us, if you want to read the, the parallel passage, Luke tells us that the, at the time, his apostles weren't focused on what Jesus was about to do. They were focused on which of them was the greatest in heaven. They were actually arguing about, no, I'm better than you, James. No, Peter, you're lost, and you'll never... <laughs> Jesus gets up and he washes their dirty feet. And isn't that quite a contrast? I mean, here is the Almighty One, the One who created everything and holds it all together. And He goes to those whom He created and He washes their feet while they're, they're arguing. The disciples were shocked. We see that. Peter didn't quite understand. Probably all of them were dumbfounded. But they shouldn't have been. He was doing those things that he had been doing since the beginning of time and what he continues to do today. Um, later on in verse 12 of John 13, Jesus asked the disciples a question to which he really already knew the answer. He asked them, do you understand what I have done for you? And of course, they, they didn't. And, and we kind of struggle with it today ourselves, if we're honest. But the point is this, Jesus came to serve. In Mark chapter 10, 45, Mark wrote that Jesus said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus wants us to follow his example. Uh, later on in John 13, he says, You call me teacher and Lord, this is 13 through 15, and rightly so. For that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. The disciples' feet were dirty. You probably know that in those days there were no paved roads and people traveled largely by foot and what was ever on the road got on their feet. And when someone would come to your home, uh, it was customary to have courtesy, have a servant of the house wash your guest's feet. And so the disciples' feet from their travels, they were dirty, no doubt. But this really, I don't think, was as much about dirty feet. This is what Jesus did. I think this was mostly about proud hearts. I think it was trying to teach those bickering disciples that it's not about them. It's not about us. It's how willing are we to be like Jesus, who had all power in the universe, was about to go back, to the Father, and yet he took on the role of a servant. Jesus was humble in his birth. He was humble in his ministry. And now we're going to look at how Jesus was humble in his death. Back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Paul says, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
See, the cross, I think, is the epitome of humility. I find humility by looking at the cross. The purpose of the cross in those days, if you don't know, it was to do a couple things, certainly kill the victim, but it was also there to humiliate the victim, to slowly kill and humiliate them. While, while hanging there in space, for all to see and all to mock, the one on the cross was as low as a human in those days could, could get. A man on the cross was nothing but a criminal. Rome reserved that penalty for criminals against Rome. He was a reminder of the consequences for upsetting Rome. He was a warning sign. He was nothing. He was nothing but nothing when he was on the cross. So why did Jesus allow himself to be tortured that way for us? Why did he make himself nothing? The answer is so that all of us could be made something. He let himself become nothing so that all of us could become children of God. But the cross, praise God, was not the ending. The cross was really the beginning. It was the beginning of peace. It was the beginning of hope. It was the beginning of joy. The beginning of true forgiveness. It was the beginning of evangelism. Without the cross, there would be no gospel. The most important part of the gospel that Paul tells us, uh, it's in 1 Corinthians, he says, the first importance that I passed on to you is that what? Christ died for us. And so if Jesus had not died for our sins, then he could not have been buried. And if he had not been buried, he would not have raised three days later. If he had not been raised three days later, he would not have appeared to Peter and the twelve and 500 thereafter, and many others. And if that were not so, he could not raise us from our death. Paul affirms, as do I in 1 Corinthians 15, that if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. But praise God, Jesus did die on the cross. He was crucified. He did spend time in a borrowed tomb. He did raise three days later. He did appear to Peter and the Twelve and, and 500 others and many others so that you and I in Christ will someday be raised from our first death and we'll never face death again. It all began with Jesus in humility, making himself nothing and going to the cross and bearing our sin, our sin and shame. Jesus died so that we could live. Do you remember Pat Tillman? Remember him? He was an NFL safety, if you don't remember. He gave up that career, and he joined the Army. And he didn't just join the Army. He volunteered for the toughest unit in the Army, the, the Rangers. And he deployed to Afghanistan. And in April, pardon me, yeah, it was, it was April of 2004, Pat Tillman was tragically killed by fratricide in Afghanistan. He turned down a three-year, $3.6 million contract with the Arizona Cardinals to serve in the Army and to help liberate people from, from evil. He and all of our war fighters who have died defending our country, they're heroes. They're heroes because they willingly served, knowing that they would have to set aside their freedoms, their comforts, and they might have to surrender their life 
in the execution of their mission, of their duty. And knowing all that, they still serve. It is their sacrificial service, I would suggest. It is in those sacrificial service that our warfighters prove themselves heroes. For it is in those acts of selflessness that they most emulate the attitude and the behavior and the love of Christ. Jesus gave up all he had. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He set it aside, and he came to earth to die and to liberate us from sin and death. So how much do we love people of the earth? Do we love them enough to humble ourselves? One day, I think it will be soon, one day, all of us, all the people of the earth, and I think who have ever lived, are going to humble themselves. We're going to humble ourselves before the Almighty One. Back to Philippians. This is our last passage. Chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Paul says, Therefore God exalted Him, that is Jesus, to the highest place and gave Him, Jesus, the name that is above every name. And He gave Him the name that is above every name, and at that, at that name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day we're going to humbly realize, just as Paul says, that Jesus' name is above every name. And, and all of us, all uh, earthly ruler, living or dead, entertainer, uh, criminal, religious leader, everyone is going to know that Jesus' name is above every name. Their knee, we're going to bow our knee. Every knee will bow to him, and every tongue will confess. No more using the Lord's name in vain. No longer using improper use of Jesus' name. All of that will come to an end. And so it strikes me that rather than suffering through this forced acknowledgement of Jesus, it makes sense to me that we try a little humility now. St. Augustine said, Should you ask me what is the first thing in religion? I should reply, the first, the second, the third, everything, nay at all, it's humility. St. Augustine was saying it starts with humility. It's the antidote, if you will, to the pride that brought about the fall of man from God. And it was demonstrated in Christ most notably through his sacrifice on the cross. Uh, in a minute, we're going to pray. And after that, the, uh, the worship team is going to lead a, an invitation song. Maybe you're here this morning and you, you have decisions that you'd like to make for Christ. You'd, you'd like to acknowledge him as the Lord of your life, confess him, be baptized. We can do all that today. Or maybe you're here and there's a burden on your heart and you just want someone to pray with you. We can do that too. It all takes... Coming down here and acknowledging what you want to do it takes humility and it takes courage. But I promise you, it won't include humiliation. If you come, we'll warmly welcome you and we'll do our best to meet your needs as Christ works through us. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your holy word. Thank you for the example of Christ. Thank you for the humility and the service that he demonstrated. And Father, that he calls us to, would you please help us as we live our Christian life, to be like Him, to be humble, to be servants, 
to put the needs of other people before ourselves. Father, I pray for those who are here today that if they, they feel your call, they'll, they'll feel the courage and the humility necessary to come forward and uh, to seek you out. And uh, Father, that we could bless them uh, through you. Uh, bless us now as we, as we seek to do your will. We pray all this in Jesus' name.